Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. Hello, you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. Tonight, Steve Clarkson with the Found Fiction Podcast, this time with artist Verity Hunter. After that, we've got Jimmy Andrex's weekly pandemical and some poetry from Stuart Pickford, some powerful work themed around the Black Lives Matter movement. And finally this evening, a taster, a mystery taster for Writing On Air, our festival of words on the radio, this time happening on March the 26th to the 28th, just over a weekend, a lot to pack in, a lot also postponed from last year. If you want more details of Writing On Air, go to our website, Chapel FM. .co.uk and don't forget to sign up to the workshops led by writers from the writing squad and our open mics on Friday the 26th and Sunday the 28th of March. Love the words on East Leeds FM. to episode 9 of Look Closer, the Found Fiction podcast. If you've never listened before, this show is a creative search for inspiration. In every edition, I'll meet up with a different guest to take a journey around their neighbourhood and explore the places, people and communities around them, unlocking the things that inspire them as creative thinkers and the makers of great things. This time I went to Todmorden to meet multidisciplinary artist Verity Hunter. Verity creates in mediums including shamanic dance, poetry and art. Verity has performed at several events around Yorkshire and is currently running a women's empowering coaching programme of Shadow Alchemy. Somewhere that you know, probably that that we that you can no. sort of oh, um, comment on, and I know you probably yeah, this got small this, enough place, it's got isn't this it? Way. But this is the sort of the centre of Todd. Um, so we've got the Morrisons here, and then this goes up towards Walsden, which is like the next sort of village along. So this is like the main road bit. Um, but the great thing about Todd is that any kind of direction that you walk in, you go kind of up or sideways or along so there's there's just so much like space and green space and we've got a great big park here as well so yeah that's i guess there's a lot of them right there's all the hills yeah there is yeah i I, i've been really lucky that obviously like during the start of lockdown period when we had that beautiful summer i was walking my neighbor's dogs everywhere so i got to know all of the like the little nooks and crannies everywhere around todd so that was really cool since i moved from leeds to here it's been a huge change because um it is just different things that you're writing about i think like the fact like within like the first week of me moving here i wrote my piece called a force of nature um and that was really inspired by just getting up and going out and like really feeling into the presence of the moment of where I was and like Uh all the different aspects. Being in the moment and like really feeling the essence of it. Um, And it's kind of the time where kind of like time sort of warps. It doesn't really, you know, not constantly watching it. You're just completely Hmm. in the moment. And I feel like walking is one of those things Like walking out, I'm just in flow and ideas will come to me. 
Yeah. And straight away, and I'm like, that's really good. I'm going to write that down. It's, it's like kind of less distracting, I guess, out here because it's it's kind of quieter. I find that when traffic's around, it immediately kind of like a bit like yeah. a bit dazed sometimes because you've got to concentrate on what's happening. Yeah. But like I, I kind of know you best as as kind of spoken word artist. Yeah. Um, when you're in Leeds, obviously hosting yeah. nights where you're performing, like. Have you kind of gotten into different art forms since you've been out here? Any other kind of focuses creatively? Yeah, so like I, I'm, uh, I, I would say first, yes, post-spoken word poet. Um, I've always written poetry since I was little. Um, but then dancing I've always done as well. It's been more of a passion of mine, especially now at movement. Um, just movement yeah. in general, not even just dance, just movement. Yeah. Um, and that's been really cool. D explain a bit about... What do you mean by movement as opposed to dance? So, uh, dance in, in, in its form, you know, you've got different types of dance, but it's still quite limited. And this is like where kind of the flow essence comes into it as well. So like yoga is one way of like getting into the flow, so it's working with the breath. And movement really does that because it's a lot more versatile. You've got yeah. different ways in which you can move your body that you wouldn't really think about in just dancing. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. really feeling into where those muscles are and sending your breath to those muscles to move and moving how you want to and kind of experimenting with it a little bit. In terms of like the energy of your material, is it kind of just as high energy, I suppose, or is it a bit more introspective? I mean, when you kind of come out here from the city, you might feel a bit more relaxed about stuff, right? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get like now, I get, I get what I've known as like city scare. So, mm -hmm. and especially as like since lockdown, um, I've gone into Manchester and Leeds a few times, obviously since lockdown started. And even though it's not been that busy, I still get this like city scare where everything is really loud and really vibrant and it's all just very intense. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that's not sort of the lifestyle that is here in Todd. It's a lot more kind of relaxed and everyone's just a lot more, lot more slow paced. Just be yourself, um, yeah. And I noticed that from going from down south to up north, but then even moving from Leeds to here, it's different again. It's like another layer of, of just calmness and sereneness. Uh-huh. And yeah, I suppose you, you know more about the contrasts having lived in both places. Yeah. yeah. And living in Leeds fairly recently, I guess, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Although when I first moved here, I was working still quite a lot of hours. It meant that I could still, on the weekends, really enjoy the time that I had off and the space that I had. Um, and I think I was much more on it about going outside all the time because I was like, there's so much to explore. It's not the same old buildings. Um, yeah. And the vers versatility of nature as well. Uh -huh. is you're not really looking at concrete you don't connect with you know buildings in the same way as you do with plants and Too um, right. trees and, and stuff birds. Uh, I mean yeah so something I've just noticed um I don't know I love I've loved like dry stone walling that you get out here yeah and I love that you get moss that kind of holds it together like glue would yeah but the different lines like I don't know it's quite cool that you've got different angles going on there that's just initially been quite yeah, striking it's definitely for me like different layers and different textures quite dazzling really and i think it's quite it's quite good to be able to work with the different colors as well as you can see like the different types of greens and yeah. how they kind of fade in and out in different areas yeah yeah well, um, someone said that the human eye can see more shades of green than any other color apparently because yes of predators and stuff back in the day yeah. like having to see stuff in the long grass and whatever and something i've noticed since moving here as well is green has become my favorite color yeah. to wear so oh, yeah. my wardrobe is now very green i can understand that and there's a <laughs> multicolored stone here do you know anything about this what, what could this um, be from? so in todd a lot of the kids they um they have a facebook where they do art on different rocks and stuff so some of them will have like names and stuff on the back and they'll have like little <laughs> Facebook things. Um, and it's something, I think they started doing it just before lockdown and it was just like an activity for them to do. Um, so sometimes you find little ones of like art pieces of artwork on and it'll have the name of the child that did it on the back and they can go onto the oh, Facebook. The kindness, and, kindness yeah, rocks and stuff. Yeah. I've heard of that, okay. No, that's nice. That's nice to see. It's just on a bit of spare rock. Someone must have just come up here with a, a paintbrush, that's cool. 
I think now it, it's, it's definitely warmer now this week. Yeah. Um, it's a bit more enticing the outdoors, I think, again. People are nice to see a, a hole there. Is that a rabbit hole or maybe something bigger? Yeah, I think there are like a few badgers and stuff around here. Um, rabbits I've definitely seen coming up and down here as well. Oh. There was a deer along this way the other week um, with a baby. And really? Yeah, it was, re it was you really. You saw it? Yeah, it was really beautiful. Oh man, I've never um, seen a deer, never. Really? Never. Yeah, you see them a lot around That's here. That's magic. Um, but they kind of, it kind of just turned and its head like looked at me. And I was like, oh, is it going to run off? Is it, is it going to go? <laughs> and like it, we stared intensely at each other for like about a minute. And then it just turned and ran off. And I was like, oh, just savouring the moment for a minute. Because I was yeah, like, that's, that's so it's beautiful. It's like a shooting star sort of moment, isn't and it? And I did. I just kind of afterwards stood there and just took a deep breath in and like Smudging. really embraced it. When you add up all the times I've spent walking in woods and forests, it must total at least a couple of months of my life. I've gone on hikes up and down the UK, in the Appalachians in the US and the Canadian Rockies, and not once have I ever seen a deer. Watching a deer grazing or standing there holding its gaze is a moment I imagine feels like time is slowing down and one you can reflect on for the rest of your life. It's always eluded me and I just know that if I ever see a deer, I'll feel like there'll be something significant about when and where that happens. As we continued our walk in the woods, we got chatting about Verity's current creative work. At the moment, I am working on a coaching programme for women and um, it's looking at basically how can we be more open and expressive um, and not be kind of held back by societal norms. So that's like one of the things I'm working on. So I'm doing a lot of work in that group and we're doing a lot of like shadow consciousness work and stuff like that. But we're, I'm also posting like challenges. So the other day I posted the howl challenge. So it was whoever could hold the longest howl or whatever animal that they relate to. We've been oh, teaching cool. a lot about spirit animals in there. That's cool. Because um, I work a lot with shamanic witchcraft, which is a combination uh -huh. of shamanism and witchcraft. So taken from like kind of the Native American influences um, and bringing them into sort of uh, Celtic sort of witchcraft. So brilliant. Yeah. So it's kind of it's keeping your uh, your kind of mind active and your mind well as well as creative as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think um, those sort of animals and things have been a really big influence in my life. I think I've noticed them a lot more now. Like. If I see like a crow or a raven or a jawjack or something, yeah. I really do take note of it. And like when I see it, um, and uh, yeah, they've been a really big influence in my poetry, have animals um, and just the landscape in general here as well, because it is so, every time you turn a corner, there's something new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can, you can totally see how being a kid, uh, here kind of fires your imagination, you know, the sort of rabbit holes, like the, the hidden world underneath, tunnels and stuff. Everything you see has kind of got an element of mystique around it, right? Yeah. And I think that there's, there's so much um, inspiration for that sort of creative influence as well. Like, I do weird things, like I pick up leaves and stuff that uh -huh. attract me sometimes, and I sometimes do write and focus on those sort of things. I work with them primarily for like sort of energy transfer. So I do a lot of like, just a lot of the shamanic stuff is kind of burning things and burying things and all working with all the elements and stuff. Okay. Um, but also like having that appreciation for the kind of creative outlet. So looking at a leaf and looking at like its veins and its colors and that again, another form of really deep gratitude. And I think it's really good for grounding as well. Um, so sometimes yeah. if I go out and I'm feeling really ungrounded for my own mental health, I'll connect with like a tree or a plant and I'll mentally in my head, like kind of chant, I breathe you and you breathe me because we're all uh -huh. air essentially. We're all the same all the oxygen, same, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, you can look at a lot of parallels, you know, you can see this is a huge tree here, but it's kind of like you could easily imagine it as 
three or four or five maybe yeah just like trunks that have grown together and support each other yeah and that then as it branches out you get little kind of yeah that they go their own way but at the root they're connected uh, you know you can easily think of a community that way you can easily think of family friends that way right yeah it, there's so many the metaphors out here, of you know. like different roots and things and do, do you find that you create from a place of the positivity and and gratitude now or do you still create from different emotions that you have um i think that it's a combination of two I think I've got a I've got a much more wider view on sort of the polarity of emotions now as well. So not just seeing because I think everything is an emotion is sometimes just an expression without permission. So looking at things as either good or bad can sometimes really skew mm. your own mindset, and that's still for me yeah. in an ego state. So to look at yeah. things objectively and be like, okay. So this feeling is uncomfortable, but yeah. what can I really get out of the sensation? If you know what I mean. Yeah, that's that is something I think about a lot. Because I, uh, yeah, everyone's kind of probably been there where you've been kind of down in the dumps, what for whatever reason, you know, breakup or just no reason potentially. And like you can find yourself writing pages and pages, it's therapeutic, and then you can produce something amazing from it that resonates with someone else. And you can actually feel gratitude potentially for the negative emotion that sparked it. And yeah, I think about it a lot because I, I, I kind of don't want to. Everyone's got an approach, obviously, but what I find, find works for me is just to not try and control my emotions. And I know that sounds quite odd, but I mean, I just kind of let let it happen and yeah. then do with it, use it somehow. In kind of like shadow work, when we look at those sort of negative emotions, we call that the luminous dark. Um, so there's, there is light within those sort of moments because you're like, okay, this is interesting. Can I explore this? What does that feel like in my body? What, what, does, what does the sensation feel like? Can I really delve into it and give it space? It needs to travel through me and teach me something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that that's where that kind of comes from now and I used to be so caught up a lot a lot more caught up in my emotions with that stuff that I it would almost yeah. become overwhelmed and obsessed with it and and you just end up kind of being stuck in this loop where you kind of go round and round and now when I really feel into it it doesn't really last as long and it's like oh okay yeah I can move through this when you come to these sort of places it becomes like your own little like safe haven yeah that you're you're just like this is you know this is my place and i think everybody even within those spaces should have their own places to go to so like i used to have like a tree that i would go to in the summer and i would spend so much time up there like doing i was like doing loads of hula hooping and i was like dancing up there and singing and doing all sorts of stuff and i would have the dogs around me all the time and it was just so lovely and, it, and everyone that I kind of speak to here has a place. Like every time I've met someone new in this town, they've been like, I'm going to take you to my place. We're going to go to the place. And I'm like, okay, where's your place? And that's like really exciting, you know, like, cause they're like, that's they have good. a place where they've created memories there. And you know, it's a place of influence for them. And I love sharing that, those yeah. sort of like things. Whereas you probably wouldn't get that living in a city. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? You're not just going to like, oh, I'm going to go Starbucks cause that's my place. That ownership <laughs> wouldn't happen. Yeah, there's just, you know, nearly a million people in Leeds or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I suppose like here, you, you could probably feel a greater level of ownership over where you are if you're the only person that takes this particular route to get from A to B, for example. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I go running or whatever, I know that my route is quite a personal one, and and I know that not many people, if anyone, probably does it. So I feel like that's kind of like something that I have my relationship, my path. In yeah, so my housemate's a runner and he says the same. That's why they've done the whole map thing because um, they kind of have their own like personal little routes and stuff and able oh, to yeah. create memories from that. And, you know, I think that's a, that's a really cool thing to have. Um, but, yeah, sorry, what I was insane about the seasons before is I feel so much more influenced by the seasons here than okay. I would somewhere else. I feel it a lot more. Like, the summers are lovely. The winters here can be quite harsh because it's you've kind of got the cold coming in from both sides with it being a valley as well it does get quite dark in the winter so i've got um yeah. like a sad lamp you know like a vitamin d lamp in my room that i've been using over the winter because it's been it's getting dark at like 
half one, two o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, where's the sun? I'd gone. <laughs> um, so the summers are absolutely beautiful, but obviously we get floods here as well. So there's that great force of nature that can really take power over people's lives here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think like working, working with them and working with her as a force um, has been really amazing to see. Uh, one thing I love about just taking in panoramic views like this, so this is Todmorden or, or a part of it beneath mm -hmm. us, right? I yeah. just love to see like, and this is a massive metaphor for me when I'm at a vantage point of any description, like is all the paths that people take, like, and that being life, basically, you know, there's a, there's a train line, there's, there's kind of a, a rural country lane where you can see a couple of people walking, there's the main road into town, there's just so many journeys that you can factor in, and it just, it's like taking a step back, isn't it? And, and, and just thinking if, if you were weighing up a decision or something, you can totally imagine being in tune with that, being at a big vantage point and looking at all the paths beneath. Yeah, I've definitely done that in, in my kind of um, time of being here. I've noticed as well, the, the thing that the only thing I could think of that I could compare it to is there was, a, there was actually a BBC version of Alice through, it was Alice through the Looking Glass. Oh, and yeah. it's the bit where she has to cross the chessboard and there's all the different kind of valleys and they're all different colours and things. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and I remember first coming out here and being like, oh gosh, it's like the film where she has to cross the, the chessboard. And I feel like that was a journey in my life when I was first coming here. Because I remember when I was first coming here for my job, I remember walking up this hill and I was, I was on my own. I was going for the assessment weekend. So I was staying there for the whole weekend and we were being assessed. And I, it was kind of like, a, it was very film-like. I was like, I had my backpack on and I was like walking up and I was like, I feel like, and it's like a new adventure sort and the valleys were really like job yeah they were like they were really kind of uh, pushing me in that and um, kind of encouraging me i felt like i had a communication with them if that makes sense yeah 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 you knew what it was all about and, and isn't your subconscious amazing like you obviously yeah, you by definition not aware of sometimes what's going on in your subconscious and sometimes it can just completely amaze you you know and you're not aware that you've been consuming uh consuming all these messages or stories when you've been walking around and minding your own business but the things that get stored uh, in, in your mind that can then end up becoming the kind of missing piece for a story you're writing or a song or whatever you're doing i used to think that in order to be writing you actually had to be writing words on the page but now i see that writing isn't just about producing it's about consuming and observing too you're absorbing stories and perceptions when you're reading a book, seeing a friend, or just going for a walk. Stuff that goes into your subconscious that gives you material to draw on. The fuller the life you live, and the more that you learn, the more stories you can tell, and the better at writing you become. In terms of like purpose then, because I, I ask a lot of people, because uh, I think about it a lot about myself, but why do you write? Like, is there, is there a kind of unifying purpose that you feel like you have? Or is it more about whether that's about kind of self-expression, whether it's about meeting people, whether it's about being a published writer and being kind of successful in that sort of sense? Yeah, like, I think everybody a... gets different things out of it. I think for me, it used to be very cathartic. I used it as a, as a sort of like therapy form of like expressing myself. Um, and it was, it was one, it's, once it was out on the page, it was like a big kind of relief and then it was kind of done and I didn't really look at it much mm. after that. Now uh -huh. it's more the words kind of come to me and I'm like, oh, that's really good. And then as soon as I get the kind of first sentence down, it flows a lot more naturally. Uh -huh. And I think that's a skill that I've just kind of developed more and from reading an awful lot more. Do you know when my kind of vocabulary is expanded and... And yeah. kind of elevated different ideas in me. So, um, so it's more about introspection, learning about yourself, and channeling yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it's it's more about learning about me and um, channeling those sort of energies. And um, yeah, yeah it's, it's quite interesting actually when you, when you do read some of it back because sometimes it just flows out of me so naturally that I read it back and I'm like, wow, where did that kind of come yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. You know, because I feel like sometimes it's from a higher source, not really oh, necessarily yeah. from, from me. I'm like, my mind I agree. That. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just kind of, I, I kind of find the thought 
strange to think I have written a poem. I, I feel like it's more accurate to think of it like a poem occurred to me. You know, it, I, I happened to come up with something. <clears throat> I was merely like capturing what was going, what I was observing, and then yeah. I didn't consciously create it. It never. I feel like even if you're the most planned author um, and you've sketched everything out, you got structure, you've got like penta iambic pentameter or whatever you're going yeah. for. There'll always be stuff that you didn't predict that flow in there. You, you can't take full ownership can you so yeah. I, I agree I think it's like it, it kind of comes to you and, and you are the sort of host of ideas and you're just capturing them and letting people take them from there it's not done it's like people then interpret what you've done they're then potentially inspired by it, or at least it maybe goes into their subconscious and then the process kind of repeats for them yeah, I think I think it's that's a really magical thing about being a human being. You know, I don't know if you've seen the movie Soul, the new Disney movie. I haven't. I've heard. I've heard a lot of good things. Yeah. Though. So that that movie, like, it made me cry like a baby. Like, I've <laughs> watched it twice oh. now. Um, <laughs> but what, it's funny because you were talking about purpose because that talks a lot about purpose and it, it has it follows a character that wants to try and find their purpose. Uh -huh. um, and oh, the jazz musician, you're right. Yeah, and. and um, there's this soul that's trying to find its purpose, and and it's it's there's so many deep meanings in the film as well. Like if you're a, okay. if you're a spiritual person or you kind of understand those concepts, like there's the number twenty two. So I'm an astrological number number twenty two, and number twenty twos are all all about kind of just spreading light in their life, but it's not like one purpose. And then it kind of clicks with mm. the the mm. jazz musician that if you put too much into your passion. It, you lose it uh -huh. and if you if you ignore it as well so it's mm. it's being in that space of like the lost soul or being you know just experiencing every day as a miracle and every little thing as as your purpose do you know what I mean and yeah. I think that that's yeah, yeah that, that was like really resonated with me because I was like yeah that's what I do I pick up little leaves from the floor and get excited about tiny little bits of pizza I'm like that's me <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I love a pizza too yeah 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 it's yeah you, you sort of never cease to be amazed at the capacity to surprise yourself as well where inspiration can come to you like I was going to stop here because I love, I love this so this would be something that's, that would really influence me yeah, what are we the, seeing here? The, so we've got like a collection of different kind of like slates and stones and, and pebbles, and it's like yeah. on a on a mound of soil, um, just in the corner. Um, but I just I love all like the platforms and like the surfaces here. So this would be like the sort of thing that I would like pick up and I would like kind of feel into its like its texture and its okay. colours. Um, I might take this home with me actually, <laughs> but like even like this like little dinosaur egg sort of things and like. <laughs> Yeah, it's I love like it. It's like a mosaic kind of thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. You can, you can look at yeah, it. Yeah, that's cool. There's like some pottery and stuff as well. There's a bit of pottery, is that? It's hard to tell. That's a nice kind of shiny white one there. Yeah, and, and you can take that into so many different... You saw it as like a mosaic, but I saw it more of like a like a nest and a bedding uh, or like a mountain um, and like different kind of steps uh, as you're, uh, you're going up. So there's so many different things that you can look at it and your mind can go so many different... Different yeah. places with it. Yeah, and that is exciting. Yeah, because <clears throat> you don't know when you're going to stumble upon something that might, really, like, maybe even change your life. Sometimes an observation like this can actually change your whole perspective about how you think about stuff, like climbing a mountain or, or whatever it might be. But then, and you sort of life has been leading up to the moment at which you noticed it. I wonder how it actually came to be. I mean, it, it could feasibly be just something that got brushed and swept together uh, intentionally, or it could have just been a, an accident. It could have just been nature, blood, like wind and stuff pushing it into place. You never really know, do you? Yeah, definitely. I think, like, even, like, walking past it, it's such a small feature, but now being so close up to it, you can also imagine if we were like tiny little creatures yeah. like so for like an ant this is like you know like making a mountain out of a molehill sort of thing in my in my mind i was just thinking if i was like a little creature how would i get up here and like uh -huh. swing across these as like monkey bars or i and like i'd done a little bit of rock climbing and stuff in the summer so 
that kind of stuff in my head of like challenging things in a different perspective of how you can move around things and pull things yeah. towards you and stuff like I'm always thinking that like what's the what's the next step how do I how do I tackle this it's, um, a, it's an action movie this is an action yeah movie. exactly <laughs> exactly it could be an action movie it could be a volcano you know it could be a lot of like boulders like earthquakes mm. all sorts of stuff like so there's nature within nature if you see what I mean here yeah. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, you forget that it's like sort of. Well, you probably don't, but like it's quite easily easy to forget that the, the whole civilizations of organisms beneath the surface, and yeah, and and the stories around that, and the sort of like how civilizations have been built, and how ants build a nest or whatever, for example. Yeah, there's a, I don't know, if, I think it's in like Men in Black 2 where he locks the locker and there's like a universe inside a universe inside a universe and like oh, so... There's often, yeah, there's something on the first film that's similar to that. Actually. Yeah, it might be on the first film where it's like he opens a locker and it, it goes all <laughs> the way in and sometimes my mind thinks a little bit like that, like where, you know, we've, really? you've got town upon city upon world and, and I do this a lot in my energy work because I transmute it out through the earth, all the way through the earth's core out of the earth into space into universes into multi-dimensional universes then out of that time Amazing. frame so it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it really put gives you a perspective it's um yeah it's quite humbling and then you're like yeah yeah you my problems that. aren't so big anymore you, you know as i take my problems and i put, put them out and they come back to me and i'm like it's only a little package and it doesn't really make a huge difference now and that's it for this edition of Look Closer, the found fiction podcast. Thank you very much to my special guest, Verity Hunter, who took us on a creative adventure around Todmorden. Before we say goodbye, we have a piece of found fiction news to tell you about. Unfortunately, we weren't successful in our proposal for funding to roll out our street stories project nationwide. But we have launched an exciting new street literature project called You Are Here. You Are Here is a series of creative installations which illuminate the stories behind everyday places. A collaboration between ourselves and Leonie Hertig, the project is about capturing positive memories of specific locations and then sharing them in eye-catching text displays which celebrate the personal histories of public spaces. From city centre clubs to cul-de-sac corners and from pubs to park benches, You Are Here installations can crop up everywhere compelling passers-by to look closer to discover more about the people in their community and truly reflect on where they are in that present moment. We're going to be letting more people know about You Are Here in the coming weeks, so look out for more. Thanks for listening to Look Closer, the found fiction podcast. That's it for this time. Until next time, stay positive, connected and kind. Love the commas, love the apostrophes, love the colons and the question marks, love the words from East Leeds FM. No, no, later, no, no, later, no, no, later, Weekly Pandemical by Jimmy Andrex Part 4 at the Vaccination Centre Another Saturday at the Vaccination Centre and the pace relaxes like the milder weather Suddenly everyone's in Levi's, not garden centre fleeces, and they climb the stairs faster, but the floor somehow eases and no one knows why. One nurse reckons it's supplies or a pause between cohorts. It's hard to overemphasise how the first four groups flocked here just to survive, but from this point on, it's about reclaiming normal lives. Whatever that was. The next day, it's like that change in the light when the sun stops slouching. We spend our time keeping the rules by bending them into prettier shapes. 
a picnic on a bench, juggling a burger van, hot dog tastes like freedom. Yesterday, as when I'm 64 played on a loop in my head, a couple came through the door. He's 65, she's 64 and not you yet, but seeing we're so quiet, she might as well fill in a form. No harm done to try it. Soon word comes back. There's vaccine left. None must go to waste. The relief on their face when they sense that first taste of a hint of a chink of a glimmer of light seems to affect the weather outside and mirrors the seasons. But don't even think it, let alone say it, or you might just jinx it. Such nonsense hardly survives a second thought. But after so long feeling hopeless and frightened, we ought not to be surprised at anything that enters our isolated echo chambers, the echo chambers of our own heads. The number of times you say something and realise you'd told them that same thing earlier on, seeing as how we've been rattling round this house since this time last spring. Then it was a headless chicken apocalypse of toilet rolls and soap. Now... We dip a toe in cold, shallow hope. Hello, and thank you for listening. The four stories I'm going to tell you are all connected as the writing is about race and entirely supports the Black Lives Matter movement. This first piece of writing, Mistress, deals with the historical aspect of slavery. The character in the piece is the mistress, who under her veneer of sophistication is cruel and barbaric. Mistress her lobes are trim, crescent moons. She'd be delighted by a comparison with china cups and likes to think her ears take up the sheen of her pearl earrings shipped from home. Certainly their luster matches the taffeta dress she wears when she bakes her servants shortbread. Saturdays they're called to the master's house. In white cotton, they seem to be going to bed as if they're ghosts, ignoring their black faces. Dancing like figures on her musical box, they never learned to adore the piano. That's how she decides on their punishment, not the lynching tree, their ears, threaded on a loop of rope, nailed to the stable door. This second piece is based on walking along the river wharf near Harewood House, a house built on the profits of the slave trade. I was once told that some of the houses in the wharf alley were made from the timbers from the decommissioned slave ships, a fact I've never been able to verify. When houses were made from trees, the trunk or the bowl would often be above the fireplace or the door. The timbers were often scribed or engraved by the builder during construction. In some houses, as you climbed up the house, the timbers became narrower. I wrote this piece because I thought it extraordinary and appalling that in a house you could sleep in a bedroom under a timber that once was part of a slave ship. Dwelling Tonight... She walks along the wharf near Harewood House with its flamingos. A margin of straw still lines the banks from recent floods, the river venting before its dealings with the North Sea. Passing an oak, she recalls the one she could see in her childhood home. Bowl above the lintel, scribed limbs over doors, branches waving through her bedroom. She pictured hands reaching for sky. The farmhouses here, they say, were built with planks from slave ships. She imagines lying in bed. Above her head, an oily timber, black 
mortised, split by so much weight. In storms, she would feel the beams stir. 97 Valley Drive is the title of the next piece. The house is opposite the Valley Gardens in Harrogate by the children's play area. It was the last residence of Thomas Rutlin. Thomas Rutlin was born into slavery. In his autobiography, he recalls one of his first memories, which was of his mother being whipped by a slave owner because she had been sold to another plantation without Thomas. He was three. When slavery was abolished, he went to Nashville to find his sister and eventually became a student at the Free University, Fisk University. Whilst there, he became a founding member of the Fisk Jubilee Singers. There's a very early recording of the Fisk Jubilee Singers on YouTube. The Fisk Jubilee Singers toured Europe twice and Thomas Rutlin sang to the kings and queens of Europe to the Kaiser, to Queen Victoria. He eventually settled in Harrogate where he gave singing lessons and spoke about slavery, emancipation and human rights. He is buried about a mile from his house in Grove Road Cemetery. His stone cross says, late Jubilee singer, Fisk University, they sing the song of the land. In reading about Thomas Rutlin's life, I discovered that some spirituals contained lines that were instructions to slaves who were trying to escape regarding when and where to meet. In this account, I'm standing with my mum, looking at Thomas Rutlin's house. 97 Valley Drive Freed, he joined the Jubilee Singers sang spirituals to Queen Victoria. I read the plaque as we stand outside the stone terrace by Valley Gardens. Mum tucks her arm through mine, always on the right after her little stroke, and we set off to the cemetery to find his tombstone, or, I nod, a spot for her. Thomas's first memory, I tell Mum, blood from a horsewhip lashing him and his mother as she was being sold without her children. The afternoon's late. Silver birches step forward in the sun. We discuss the secret codes in Gospels like Steal Away to Jesus, where Mum falls silent until her cracked voice picks out amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And I think I've never heard her sing, and she sings it, word perfect, beautifully. This last piece deals with cultural assumptions. It's set in Cairns in Queensland. Until our visit to Australia, our experience of Aboriginal culture consisted of things like seeing the coolamons, the wooden trays or baskets, in museums like the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford. Today, some Aboriginal communities have problems with drugs and alcohol, and their culture has been packaged into cultural parks where singing and dancing is demonstrated. The Jabagai experience is one such tourist attraction in Cairns, you pay to get in, perhaps with a $2 coin, stamped with an Aborigine's head. This is the last story, and thank you for listening. What we remember. Tropical North Queensland was rubbery and lush, but behind the supermarket, pallets, trolleys, and you, slumped back against the wall, Knees up, heads down, a kind of box of your own making. I remember this, your straight hair, unlike Mr Wilson's afro next door. In the Ashmolean, the coolamons in rows, humidity controlled, 
not holding witchetty grubs, but stillness, dust. Jan remembers our kids asking too loud, what's wrong with him? She tugged them out of your space. You could have been drunk, like others in cairns beneath the exquisite palms. Our milk needed the fridge. We both remember the bus round in the corner, painted like a boomerang, selling the Jabbergai experience, and you rising up, taller than I thought, to ask for the fare. I don't remember meeting your gaze. Passengers stared from the window. The bus throbbed. Are you getting on? Fumbling, I picked out two dollars stamped with an Aborigine's head. I forgot to mention, I kept my eye on you, your image shaking in each pane of reflection. You paid, followed me down the aisle and stopped. Opening your palm, you offered me the change. Love the cases, love the clauses, love the adverbs and the antecedents, love the words. From ELFM. on the floor slower yes deceit more my mind does devious things your mouth in my ear on my neck then down south this swelling of lies lethal I took a walk through the woods 
Where my lips mime the memory of kissing And in my mind Your laugh was pouring through yesterday's leaves The chime of a goblet in the lobes of the trees Thieves, and we know it Our lust tepid and numb The trees are breathing their heavy steam for no one So stay away, stay lost, stay back, keep dumb. Or down on my knees, some nights, whole days chewing tough flies, my husband the foul breath of history in my face sweet word hate my marital bed a sour burn his mouth a foreign place darling he does not know that I like nobody's child go to my chamber and yearn for your limbs the slim deceit my bed screaming yes, 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 sucking lies or stirring passion with thin, deliberate spoons. Watching the moon, I say, to that timeline of centuries clung to my wedding ring, three words slung across a room in the cracked blackness of late afternoon to meet you with a curdled pond made erotic in my mind and eyes made sly for no one but you. Lover, I weep and remember Lust a thick moan of a word In the silver purse of my ear On a floor, by a door A fierce kiss bruising your lips The brush of a night Long as marriage Worn in a bite on a hard kiss thigh The far off cry of a chanting train carrying wedding vows dollies your name through these walls in this slither of night we did it what that sleep tight will find me a heart that is blacker than mine there are wires in my veins I could throttle with Snakes spitting lies in the rope of my spine Time, a slow plunging of bodies Sprawling and slurred The taste of a curse that is sound and not word Then biting awake to a clatter of plates With my husband, years ago, talking birds On the other side of this night Like twenty years in the distance between us The wind turns his mouth to the house And rises His loins clumsy His eyes dumb Come to the candle A sputtering actor A stammering tongue Come to that bed with its hard punctured lung That remembers me where hung on the ceiling is the chiming of bells The bells of my breasts The globes of your buttocks Faster, yes Where the dress on the floor Bared of its bones Moans out its four hundredth winter Time slows 
a splintering woodland that hardens its heart, sleeps in some part of a long smudged childhood where pealing of voices tolls out the years, the taste of a word on a tongue in an ear. Go light some candles, rip me up here. Long nights in criminal sheets, the bow of my body, the slow vestal shriek of unlit flames that pearl for your skin, the slipping of shadows, silver and thin, in the hall, by a wall, the long swallowed lies spilling out with a bite, the dregs of an evening. A long shaken night. Then sometimes, by a fireplace, I see the plush of your hands and chink of your cheek, weak in the hinge of a sweet rotten heart, where part of a woman, a ghost in a bed, slips through the lips of a long kissed dress. Once held on your hand, locked in a lung, now laid on the floor, signed by your tongue. You make me do this. Now, my heart ripped out like the tongue of a tide, cord, lied, cried for your hands, for the slither of touch, your mouth on my breasts. The smudge and the sketch of two lovers in lamplight. Just once. Sex. Up a wall, faster. We did it, didn't we? Yes. And you'll do it again. A child come calling to Chatterley's bed, said with a groan in the long distant moon. Of that floorboard that winds with our festering lies, see the bones of a lover, a mother, a wife, the passionate hands of the clock as he waves past the time to my spine on the cold cobalt floor, the curve of my back on the skin of the door, the snap of the jaw, the lash of the tongue, the gold of your rib cage, the silver of lung. Done. In the corner, you pull on your shirt. The hurt of your heart swells in the firelight, spills into the air between us. No words, locked throats. I feel ten years from you. Hand me my coat. That was The Visionary Lawrence, with Laura Potts providing the poetry, with music by Keeley Hodgson and Dan Wilcox. And that will be aired again during Writing On Air on the weekend of March the 26th to the 28th. It was a little taster for you. All programmes themed around vision. Plenty to look forward to. <laughs>